You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Today we're finishing up our storm series. We've been going through this series called Navigating the Storms of Life, and we've been tackling some pretty tough topics like relationship crisis and uh, addiction and some different things like that. And today we're tackling a topic that is a storm that unfortunately I guarantee has hit every single person in this room and has hit every single person that's watching online, either personally or very close to you in a, in a relationship, whether it was your parents, uh, a sibling, uh, a spouse, someone you know is trying to figure out how to navigate this storm. And so even if this isn't you personally, I promise someone close to you is in the middle of this storm. And so this is really a big one, and it's really important. I really appreciate Doug uh, and uh, Lainita and their transparency and vulnerability. They kind of hang it all out there in this message this morning. So lean in and get ready to um, have a, a view on the storm of pornography, but also some hope on how to come through the other side of it and uh, get into some calmer water. So I'll let Doug take it over from here. Thanks. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you, Fad. Thank you for living out the uh, name of Real Life Church and inviting us to have a conversation about pornography uh, this morning. I would guess that it's very rare that any of you have ever been to a church service where on a Sunday morning we talked about pornography. Um, and so you may be wondering, why are we doing this? Well, you will, you'll see as this unfolds, but I want to at least, first of all, acknowledge that whenever even the word is spoken, there may be a sense of shame or a sense of fear or a sense of concern about that. And I just want you to understand that I'm coming at this from a place of grace and truth, restoration and freedom and hope that comes in Christ. And so I hope that you all f- feel that as we walk through this message together Um, And I also recognize that for many of us, this is a painful subject. This is something that you may have porn use in your home, whether it's hidden or not. And this talk may inspire some potentially difficult conversations. And I want to acknowledge that up front as well. And uh, understand that I'm trusting God that there's going to be freedom that comes from those conversations. There may be husbands and wives and significant others that have to have those conversations this morning to begin a path of healing. And there may even be some parents that need to have some conversations with kids that they didn't know they needed to have, and that that also may become a path of freedom for them. But I first have to start by saying, if anything good is going to happen out of this, it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be by the grace of God. So I need to pray one more time and just invite God's presence as I share this with you guys this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful again for the opportunity we have to be here to gather. So grateful for all that Jesus has done for us, Lord. And I'm grateful for your mercy and grace in my life that I can stand here and give a testimony and offer what I've learned and uh, by your grace. And God, I recognize right now that there may be some uncomfortableness, right? Even bringing up the subject in this room and in online. And I pray that in every home and in every heart, your peace and your Holy Spirit would already begin to bring uh, comfort and the love that you have for us and the hope of freedom that comes from uh, all that you have offered us, Lord. So nothing that I say here this morning is going to be of any value unless you anoint it and make it matter in the hearts and lives of my friends here who are listening. So be with us, God, and have mercy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So why are we talking about pornography in church? Some of you may be asking, 
like, I didn't even know that was a thing. It was a big deal. Um, but I, I need you to understand that the surveys of, and this may be a dated survey even, but a survey that the most recent survey I found shows that when surveyed, 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they will watch porn at least once a month. And in another survey by Barna back five years ago, said that among practicing Christians, young people aged 13 to 24, they say that 41% of boys and 13% of girls look at porn, however they define the word regularly. So the important thing you need to understand up front is that if you're struggling with porn right now, you're not alone. And you're, you're just not the only one. And sometimes that voice of shame can come in and say, you are the only one, or maybe you're the worst one, or you're beyond help. Those are all lies from the enemy. And I want to just, again, inform you right up front that there's hope and then there's, there's help for you. And that's the reason that we're bringing this message this morning. So we're going to start by, I'm going to tell, we're actually, Lanita and I, my wife, we're going to share our story right now. And we're going to do that through video. Uh, so take a look. I was first exposed to pornography as a child, which is when most people are exposed. Uh, my time was before the internet. I was about age 11 and I found uh, magazines in a relative's home. And uh, it turned out that began a journey where I was able to find magazines in many homes uh, whenever I had the opportunity to look for them. It was, it was more pervasive than you would think. So uh, that was when I was first exposed. I think my first exposure was around nine. My mom had remarried and there was just pornography laying out. They didn't even try to hide it. My new stepdad didn't even try to hide it. Um, what I know now as an adult is that sometimes pedophiles use pornography to groom victims. And I realize just looking back that that was the case um, with me. And so I um, was a voracious reader and I picked those magazines up and just out of curiosity started reading and reading. I realized porn was a problem when I became a Christian in my senior year of high school. Prior to that, uh, when I would look for pornography, it wasn't like I had a, I didn't have as much of a moral problem with it as I had, as it was just, I knew it was kind of something I should do in private. So I just snuck it. Uh, but I became a Christian in my senior year of high school and realized that God didn't want this for me. And so I remember praying at, at the altar, asking for God to take away this desire that had been cultivated at that point after for six or seven years. So uh, he decided not to do that. Uh, I, my journey was different. Um, he obviously did help me, but I realized it was much more of a problem than God was just going to snap his fingers and take away at that time. For me, the struggle was a, a ongoing battle that we've had many ups and downs um, over, over the years. Um, unfortunately, my first marriage ended in divorce and when I found myself by myself in an apartment, I recognized at that point, as I was restarting my life, I had a choice to go deeper into porn and kind of darkness or to go upwards towards God. And I really wanted, I, I found that I just wanted God. I wanted more of him. So I, I uh, found myself uh, at the doorstep of a church, a Nazarene church in Newport that welcomed me with open arms. They um, offered grace and truth. 
And that began an upward journey uh, for me that was um, that was definitely on the right track, uh, on a path to freedom. And I'm super grateful for that. So then when we started dating, um, well, our first date was really awkward because we went to the movie theater, not having a plan of what movie we were going to go see. And the one we ended up choosing was pretty, would you say, risque. Mm -hmm. And um, it was rated R. It had a lot of gratuitous sex scenes. And as you can imagine, on a first date, that's a little uncomfortable. So... After that, we had a conversation about purity in our relationship and how we both wanted to proceed with dating each other and keeping pure. So it was a, it was a great start to just the conversation and, and the journey together. So yeah, it's a common misconception that people think that if I get married, then my porn problem will just go away. And um, we did set up a very, you know, we wanted to build our home on, on Christ. We wanted to have a very, um, you know, like, like Lanita said, purity was very important to us. Following God was really important to us. So our home was pretty protected from that standpoint, but I still continued to struggle whenever I'd go on business trips and I traveled relatively frequently. Um, not every trip, but often if I found myself in a hotel room, that was a trigger for me. And so it was a, um, that, that part of it ended up becoming a, uh, a situation where I often had um, fallen and then I'd have to confess. And I felt very defeated in lots of ways because I did not know uh, really what to do. I wasn't, what, whatever was happening just wasn't getting at the root of the issue in my life. So that, that continued, those travel times continued to be a trigger for me. And so when I found out that he was still looking at porn. Um, as you can imagine, there was betrayal. There was a lot of hurt and pain, um, anger in our marriage. And we, um, you know, kept struggling through, but it was, it was very difficult for a long time. And since I have a history of sexual abuse, um, multiple stepfathers, multiple other people in my life, um, the whole area surrounding sex and marriage was uh, terrible and really painful for a long time. So um, it became a thing where we eventually were able to join forces and be a team and say, okay, what are we going to do together to keep this from happening again? This is this is not him against me. It's us together against this really big problem. And that was kind of the turning point um, in our journey. So no, no magic cure, but definitely found the right path. My path to freedom really started on my, the last time I had fallen on a business trip. Um, I just felt this shame and this guilt again. And I was like, oh no, I have to confess to Lanita again. And I, um, I remember uh, being in church and uh, the message was very convicting. And I had had this sense for a long time that I just, my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. This was a issue between me and God. And I kept trying to make a deal with God, Lord, um, you know, if I don't, if I, 
I won't tell her as long as I, if I don't do it again, if I don't do it one more time, then can I not have to tell her? I'll tell her if I do it one more time. And God wasn't having any of that. It was very much a sense of, I had this really profound conviction. It wasn't shame, but it was just a conviction of the Holy Spirit that uh, I needed to win this. I needed to figure this out or I was wasting the one life I had been given. I had felt a calling from God ever since I had become a Christian. I knew that he had called me to something more and I was running out of time was the message I was getting from God. And so I confessed and I, in that course of that confession, I was like, we've got to do something different. This has to be the last time. And that began a journey that for me included um, much more studying. I've started men's groups. I uh, became accountable. I had some accountability people. Uh, Lanita was one of them, but I had other people I was accountable to. Um, and just on and on, all the things, I just went all in on figuring this out. And by the grace of God, I have not fallen since that day. And um, yeah, praise God that he, he gave me the power to do that. But again, it wasn't like a zap and I'm poof, I'm done. It was a journey that he wanted to do in me and in us as we learn to walk closer together with him and with each other. And I, I couldn't be more grateful. A few years after that, I think we came to another crossroads when we were asked to give our testimony at a big gathering at church. There were about 300 adults there. And so we sat down to kind of plan who was going to say what. And we were, because we were talking together from the stage and Doug said, well, should I talk about the overcoming porn? And I said, no, of course not. No, we're not going to talk about that publicly. It was too shameful. So we were both standing up there together and it was his turn to go first. And so I was waiting my turn and he, against my wishes <laughs> or my knowledge, decided to just go ahead and share about how he had overcome porn. So I tried my best to keep a neutral look on my face, which is hard for me because oftentimes I can filter my mouth, but my face doesn't get the message. <laughs> and I, um, after he was done talking, I gave the testimony that I had planned to give. And um, I was going to be a little upset with him afterwards, though. But instead, what happened was so many men came up to him after that testimony and said, you know, I struggle with that too. Will you help me? And so from that became a ministry of helping other couples break free from this chain. And we were able to guide many couples. I've, I've talked to wives and Doug has talked to many men um, single and married, and we have we have helped them overcome it. So um, the thing that I was ashamed of and I didn't want anyone to know then became public, and God has used that in an amazing way. And uh, we don't have to be ashamed anymore because it's not a testimony of sin. It's a testimony of God's amazing grace and overcoming by His power. It truly is. God's amazing grace. I'm super, super grateful. Um, Lainita and I are going to celebrate 20 years of marriage in June this year. So we're very grateful for that. Praise the Lord. Um, 
So yeah, by the grace of God, I have been walking in freedom for many years now, and I want to help anyone else who finds, who, who's here, maybe here online, and needs to find that freedom. That's, that's, again, that's what we're here for. That's why we're going to all this discomfort to bring the subject up in the storm. And if for you that's not porn, it's something else, just feel free to insert whatever that is into that spot. Whenever I say porn, you can just, whatever your thing is, because this all applies to many different temptations. But first of all, let's just for one minute talk about what is the big deal about porn. Um, Some of you may not realize, um, but uh, the storm of porn in our culture is like this combination of a worldwide Noah type of flood and this apocalyptic hurricane. Uh, and you, if, if you don't realize it, that's, that's a thing worldwide, really. S- sexual brokenness is nearly an epidemic. The problem is it's so common that it, uh, if you survey a majority of young people today would say that it is more immoral not to recycle than it is to watch porn. And so that's why I want to just take a minute and help us see that porn is a really big problem. First of all, we have a spiritual enemy that wants to corrupt God's good design every way he can. So he, one of the things he does is he'll take pleasures that God designed for our good and twist them up to make them harm us instead. He does that because he wants to steal what God has given us, create deep scars, and ultimately to destroy us. As Jesus told us in John 10.10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it abundantly. So porn corrupts God's good design for sex within marriage with one man and one woman. It preys upon our healthy, natural desires and poisons them. And even if we're single and we plan to stay that way, like Jesus and the Apostle Paul, porn teaches us to see other people as objects, like a collection of body parts, instead of the priceless creations that God has made in his image. Jesus cut to the heart of the problem with pornography in, this, in his most quoted sermon, the one that's called On the Mount, where he says, you've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this idea of lusting or imagining or fantasizing sex with someone that you're not married to, it corrupts your heart as if you were actually committing adultery. And the spouses of those who have who have, who are married to someone who's enslaved by porn, know that that feeling, it feels very similar. That betrayal feels very similar. The other thing we have to understand is that porn destroys like other addictions. It becomes truly addictive in a life-destroying way. It overstimulates the pleasure centers of our brain, just like drugs or alcohol do. With porn, we get this flood of pleasure chemicals that wash over the brain and desensitize us to normal pleasures, which makes it so that you have to have more to get the same level of high. And unfortunately, that more ends up looking more destructive, more dark, and more violent. So porn is a really big problem. It is really corrupting hundreds of millions of people. Um, but I'm not going to dwell there. Today, I'm going to dwell on the freedom. There, there, there is this opportunity, there's this path to freedom that God has given us. And I want to offer that and share that with you this morning. If you are ensnared by porn and you want to find freedom, you need to understand, first of all, that the battle is multifaceted. And since our time is short this morning, I'm, I'm just breaking it into these three major facets of the battle. A spiritual battle, 
psychological, what I'm calling psychological, kind of putting a bucket and several things in there, and then relational. So we have to fight on these three fronts if we're going to attack this or any other temptation. And I need to tell you that I would not be telling you this if it wasn't possible to find freedom from porn. I'm sharing this to give you a hope of a porn-free future. Sometimes it can be so discouraging if you tried and failed a thousand, a million, you feel like it's been a million times, or you've broken someone's heart hundreds of times. You might, you might be believing lies of the enemy that says, I'm too far. You don't understand. No, I'm the one. I'm the only one who's struggling with, at this level. No. Jesus came to set us free from sin. All of us. No matter what. That's the truth. And he's just as powerful and just as able to do that today as he has ever been. <clears throat> so take heart by the power of God and with your full commitment. That's what it takes. It takes this combination, the power of God, and we have to be all in. You can overcome it. So we're going to start by focusing on the spiritual, which arguably is the most important. Again, Jesus came to set us free. The Bible is full of amazing promises. When you read it with this lens, when you're looking for freedom in Christ, it's, it's everywhere. But Romans 6 is one of my favorite passages. In fact, if, you, um, if you're looking for a chapter to memorize and this is a thing or, or any temptation, Romans 6 is a fantastic chapter to memorize because it's full of mind-renewing power. I'm just going to give you a sampling this morning. Uh, Romans 6 starts by saying, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. So Paul teaches us that every Christian, every one of us can remember our baptism as if we had died and risen from Christ at that very moment. Baptism reminds us of this truth, this reality, that we are new creations in Christ right now. The old is gone and the new has come. Here's the practical application that Paul continues starting in uh, verse 5 of Romans 6. He says, If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin may be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Forget this, the one who has died is freed, freed from sin. What a powerful idea that ends with there. Since Jesus died for us, this verse tells us we can experience a freedom from sin right now. Jesus passes the benefits of his death and resurrection, what he paid, gave everything to us for. He passes that benefit on to us as his disciples so that we can live in freedom where he sacrificed everything to give us. So if all of this is true, then why do so many of us not experience it? Why don't we feel this? Well, in short, we forget. That's why it says in, that, in the first part that, do you not remember? Do you not remember? No, we don't remember. We don't. We experience God's power today to the degree that we remember it's available. With spiritual things, we remember by actively, constantly 
regularly practicing, just like we talked about a few weeks ago in Deuteronomy 6, where it's talk about it when you're on the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, when you're at the dinner table, when you're in the car, whatever. Spiritual things have to be constantly in front of us. If we don't put that truth in front of us, what happens is the world will be very happy to distract us with anything but God's truth. So it's kind of like this. Imagine that you were born into this powerful monarchy and you're this heir to the throne, but you go off to another country and you live like a commoner and you just renounce all of that and you forget all about it. You're not benefiting from that, right? Or if you were the heir of a billionaire and you had $100 million inherited in the bank, but you never cashed the check. You never, you never lived like that. all that money was available to you. Now, we can't imagine forgetting that kind of stuff because, wow, that would be amazing. Well, the spiritual things that we have available to us are even more amazing than that. The problem is they're even more, uh, they, they can disappear even quicker because they're not right in front of us. The world is noisy and always right in front of us, especially if we're addicted to screens. People can sometimes feel spiritually dry or isolated from God, and this can happen because we're not devoting ourselves to constant, regular, daily time with him. So if you want to overcome porn, you have to start by, by fighting that spiritual battle. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we overcome something as pervasive and invasive as pornography. So that's spiritual. That's the spiritual front. Let's take a look at the psychological. That's the second part of this multifaceted battle. The psychological, I'm just bucketing the ideas of the, spirit, of the physical, the mental, and emotional aspects of the battle. And this is, again, this is a, there's a lot here we could talk about, but I'm just going to narrow down into a few ideas here. There are often underlying psychological reasons people fall into porn. It may take time with a mentor or a professional counselor to figure that out or to work that out because it's unlikely just to be sexual desire. Oftentimes, I know for me, it was also things like there's, there's childhood trauma, there's insecurities, there's emotional pains that sometimes drive us to that. So ask yourself, when do you fall for whatever it is you're tempted by? Is it when you're bored, when you're stressed, when you're lonely, tired, angry, Oftentimes, these are triggers that, and there's other triggers that can lead you into pornography or something else for that temporary fix that kind of covers it up and hides it and takes off the, takes your focus off of whatever that trigger is for a while. So when you first start to break any habit, including porn, you have to be prepared for your body to physically fight against it. Our brains are trained to, uh, to expect a certain level of that kind of over-the-top pleasure. And so your body will fight back. Oftentimes the first few weeks, the first few months are the hardest when you get into a, a path of freedom because your body's saying, no, your brain is fighting actively against that. You're, it, especially if you've been doing it a long time, it's not going to go away quietly. So you can't just stop those old habits alone. You have to work to replace those habits with good ones in the context, again, of spiritual, psychological, and this relational we're going to talk about. I have a couple of quick practical ideas that help you on the psychological side. One of them I mentioned on the, on the video even is to make your home a sanctuary. Your home needs to be the safest place. You need to at least be able to go home. If you're out there, I mean, somewhere, some places we go, the billboards, the advertisements, the, just everything. We have a very sexualized culture. Your home should be safe. Um, so remove everything that tempts you from your home. Jesus had this really uncomfortable verse where he said also in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if your right eye is causing you to sin, tear it out and throw it from you. Now, since most of us here have two eyes, we 
all believe that Jesus was probably speaking figuratively, thankfully. But um, he did mean something very serious. He meant that if you're going to overcome something, you may have to take some drastic steps that may feel like you're plucking your eye out. It may feel like that way if you have to like go to a flip phone or if you have to get rid of that smart TV or that game console because every time you're there and you're alone, that's your thing um, and you can't find a way to filter it. You might have to do that. It may not be forever, but it may be something you have to do. Um, or you might need to install something like Covenant Eyes on all of your devices and become accountable to somebody that way. That, again, may feel that way. But whatever you have to do, you have to make your home a safe place. Even if things like Victoria's Secret catalogs or whatever, like there's not a lot of secrets in there anyway, so you just need to get rid of that and whatever else it is that can, that can trigger you. So, again, do whatever it takes and work with your family to make sure that, that's, that your home is safe. The other thing to do that I recommend is to pre-plan your strategies for especially tempting situations. You have to make a strategy, and obviously this can, this can also involve other people. Um, for me, uh, I had made my home a sanctuary, but traveling was, was still a trigger. So I had to do some things that people might consider kind of weird um, because hotel rooms would be that thing for me. So I had to have this strategy. My, one of, part of my strategy was as soon as I got into the hotel room, I would go to the TV and take the cable off and go out and put the cable in the trunk of my rental car. And that broke that availability of that particular vehicle of porn for me. And then I would call my wife and I'd say, hey, how you doing? I'd, yep, I did it. And, and that was part of the habit of breaking that chain. It isn't, a, it isn't a trigger for me anymore after all these years, but back then it was really a thing and it really has helped me. It may feel weird. It may seem weird. It even sounds weird just even saying it again, but you got to get weird. You got to be countercultural sometimes to do the things to, that you've got to do to break free. So be willing to get creative. Be willing to go all in and you can find freedom. And there's a whole lot more I could say, but nobody wants this to be a 12-week series or a two-hour message, so, which it could have totally been, but I'm going to get done quickly here. So uh, let's move on to the third point, which is the relational. So we've talked about the spiritual, the psychological, and now the relational. Um, we, can't re- we really can't overcome anything, especially something as overwhelming as porn without help. And if you think about it, the spiritual and the psychological are also relational because spiritual has to do with our relationship with God and psychological has to do with our relationship with ourself. And so we also have to talk about our relationship with other people as part of the battle and as the help that we need to overcome. So if you're, if you're married or have a significant other, that person is likely the first person you have to think about because they're most affected and most harmed by our, by our problem with pornography. If you've broken their trust, you're going to have to rebuild it. And that means being willing to do whatever they need you to do for as long as it takes to regain their trust. It may take a while, but it's worth it. I also want to encourage you as you, as you think about your need to confess and come clean to your significant other, your spouse, is to be very careful how you do that. You definitely do need to come clean but I've heard of people who have done it in ways that's more harmful. You need to do it in a way that's safe for them to hear. And again, this is a long conversation you can have, but bottom line is you may need the help of a pastor or a counselor to process that through and prepare you for that, uh, for that conversation. Make sure you only do that when you're really, really ready to begin rebuilding their trust as well, because that takes a long time to do. I also want to have a quick word with those who are who may be the, be the spouses of someone who is, who is using pornography. I want to tell you, um, as, as a former user, that it's not your fault. 
sometimes you can feel like if you only did something different, then they wouldn't do it. It's not that way. It's not about you. It's about, it's about our sin, our selfishness, our addiction. It's all on us. It's if, it, so don't believe any lies that if you only did this or that, then it wouldn't be a problem. It's, that would be a lie of the evil one. I also want to tell you that you, you, if you're feeling emotional pain over that situation, you also may need spiritual, psychological, relational help to help you overcome. And there's a lot of great resources to help you with that. I just want to encourage you to get that help that you need so that you can get healed of yourself. And then also you can be in a position where you can offer the forgiveness and grace to your, to your partner, your spouse, when they need it. Because if, you're, if your relationship is going to be completely restored, you've got to be able to offer that as well. And that takes, again, a lot of work that God can help you with, but you just expect that to happen. So back to the struggler now, and we're talking about relationships. If you're going to overcome porn, you need what we, and I'm an, I'm an employee actually at Covenant Eyes. I'm a, I'm a developer there. Um, so at Covenant Eyes, we, we encourage everyone to get what we call an ally, where if the struggler is the hero of their story working to overcome pornography, they, every hero has a sidekick, an ally. So this person is a trusted friend or mentor. This is somebody of the same sex who can walk with you closely as you, find, as you walk your path to freedom. And what you do is you give this ally permission to get in your face, permission to ask you the hard questions. I had people in my life that would go, you know, how you doing? How you doing? And, uh, and they would mean it, you know, they'd look you in the eye and they'd like, oh, yeah, good, good. Um, so making sure that they can ask you those tough questions. You've got to have that person in your life. Many people don't like have someone they can think of, like, I don't have anybody that I don't think I could trust. Well, find someone. I guarantee you that if you find someone, uh, uh, someone who's farther along in the Christian journey than you, um, someone who's not struggling with this um, because they need to be, able to be free from it so they can help you, but they would be honored to help you. They would be really grateful to help you, to walk with you. So it just takes a little bit of courage to, uh, again, don't believe the lie that nobody, no, they won't do it, or, oh, I'll feel weird. It may feel weird, but it's totally worth it, and you've got to have that help. Another relational dimension is to have a small group of people around you as well. Um, that is a, that's a really crucial thing to be able to get into a group, especially a group, again, a, um, group of the, of the same sex, so men with men, women with men, women. Um, I know that we have these path groups that are fantastic, these groups that Kermit and Bob have shared about uh, in the past. We have a lot of men's groups, and we, and we even have a women's path group now. And these groups are ideal to help you walk through. To, they pray together, they read the word together, they encourage you, and you've got to have these people in your life. Uh, if you, if if for whatever reason these groups wouldn't work for you, you could do what I did and just start your own group. Go through a book uh, that's specifically focused on the subject so that you have like-minded people, maybe all a group of people that are all struggling and you can help each other. And that was super helpful for me. I know that would be helpful to you. For some of us, this is a deeper addiction than those, even those things can help with. And so there are lots of programs. There are some great um, uh, programs that could come alongside of you and help you dig really deep into whatever the issues are. One of them is called Celebrate Recovery, and that's a Christian 12-step program. It's fantastic for any of the, they call it hurts, hangups, and habits that we struggle with. And it's a, it's a very open and grace-filled, Christ-centered program. There's a, I know that Real Life Moscow has a weekly meeting. I know there's a group in Colfax also, um, but there's, if you go to uh, Celebrate Recovery, online. You can find, they'll, they'll find a group for you. And there's, I can, 
promise you there's a group nearby. Uh, hopefully you can adjust your schedule to get in there. I, I very much recommend that program. So, um, so yeah, again, all of these steps are relational. They take a little bit of, that first step is always the hardest. Ah, I don't want to do this. I really, I hate this. I, I don't want to, but you're, you've just got to take that step. And I promise you, you will be very glad you did when you're on the other side. I have one quick word for parents. Uh, again, this could be a whole talk to parents. Um, but parents, mom and dad, I, I first, it's the heart, this just breaks my heart to say that the average age of first exposure is anywhere from 8 to 11 these days. And that's happening often on a device that they were given as a gift from a family member. And so, again, that breaks our heart, right? This ought not be. I hate that that's the way the world is, corrupting our kids. But the porn industry knows if they get you young, they've got you for a long time. So we are the God-given protectors of our kids. We've got to be countercultural. We've got to be different. Um, the best resource I have to share with you is, a, is an organization called ScreenStrong.com. ScreenStrong.com. They have all kinds of, of help for kids and screens in general, but they do have uh, information to help you walk through the uh, possibility of, of pornography addiction with your kids. And uh, I just maybe may I encourage you, if you're thinking not my kids, uh, not, maybe not my kids, well, it may be. The stats are not good. So be willing to have those hard conversations. Be willing to it, not just the talk, right? This is an ongoing conversation. Our culture is having a conversation with our kids. We need to be having that conversation. They need to be trusting us. And we have to be the people who are safe, who if they tell us something, we don't freak out. We don't go, Ugh. you know, we say, we have to keep the game face on. We're like, oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. While, while inside we're going, what? I want to kill somebody. No, I just, um, just anyway, they ha- you have to be that safe place, that countercultural protector of them. That's our job. We have to bring it. Okay, so I need you, as I, as I wrap up here real quickly, we need to understand again, this is an epic Noah-sized flood storm. But we also need to understand it's no match for God. God is not surprised that in 2021, we all have devices in our pockets that lead us to pornography. He can still help us. He can still help us overcome. And I need to, I need to also again recognize that as I have shared this today, there may very well be a lot of conversations that are going to be starting to happen that you didn't maybe expect to have today or in the next few weeks. Um, I recognize that. And I pray that God will give you the grace and help to walk through that. And if you need help with that, please do let us know. Lainita and I would love to help you. As, as Lainita mentioned, we've helped a lot of people. Our contact information is on the sheet on the handout. Our email addresses are on there. So reach out to us. Uh, We'd be happy to walk with you, to point you in the right direction, to help you find resources, whatever we can do. Uh, This has been a thing for us, and we want to help in any way we can. Uh, The other thing is I've also shared other helpful resources on the handout. Again, ScreenStrong, my blog. Um, There's a great book called Beyond the Battle by Pastor Noah Philippiak. It's a fantastic book, new book that's great. Um, I'm also able to, as an employee of Covenant Eyes, I'm able to offer a 30-day free trial. And that's on there too, covenanteyes.com. And you can sign up and there's a promo code PST30 uh, that will uh, give you 30 days free. So again, there's a lot of help. There's a lot of resources for this. There's nothing like the freedom of not having any secrets. There's nothing like having this grace and forgiveness, walking within that grace. You won't want to have that go back. So again, 
by the grace and power of God, I want us all to be walking in the spiritual, relational, psychological aspects of whatever we're struggling with until we find our way to the freedom that Jesus died to give us. And I want that for all of us. So let's pray together and, and invite God to do that. Lord, again, I'm so very grateful for the attention, for the ability to endure an uncomfortable subject from these who are here and those online. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to have your way in our hearts and in our minds right now. For those, Lord, who may need to begin a journey to freedom, maybe nobody knows. They need to have a conversation. They need to start that journey. Lord, I pray that they will have the courage and the um, wisdom and the boldness to step out and to take those steps they need to overcome. Help them to embrace the freedom that you died to give each one of us. I pray, God, you will give grace to everyone who's affected, grace to the parents, grateful to the, grace to the spouses. Help us all, Lord, as we walk in this, as we learn to walk in the freedom that you died to give us. We cannot do it, Lord, without you, but we know that with you, we can do all things. All things are possible. So we invite you to have your way, Lord. We thank you and praise you. You are good and merciful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.